Hey, welcome to the Living the Dream podcast. This is your host, Timmy Douglas, and the goal of this podcast is to create a community that inspires action, accountability, celebrates progress, and helps people make the right connections to take that next step towards their dreams and goals. If you're looking for any one-on-one coaching to pinpoint your purpose and start taking steps in that direction, make sure to contact me on my website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, or on social media. On that note, let's get into the show. All right, what up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have Sam Thiara, who is the founder and chief motivating officer at Ignite the Dream Coaching and Consulting. Sam, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing really well for a Monday afternoon here in Vancouver, Canada. There we go. Glad to hear it, man. And we'd like to jump right in. So if you could start with telling us a little bit more about yourself and what you like to do for fun, that'd be great. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, You know, the way I like to describe myself is uh, this way. So there are five things that I'm guided by in in life. And these things are things I'm not willing to compromise. Servant leadership, story sharing, activator igniter, champion enabler, community do-gooder. Those five things have enabled me to help individuals, teams, organizations, nonprofits, and educational institutions to their pinnacle best. But interestingly enough, it's also made me into a speaker and storyteller, a mentor and a coach, a writer and blogger, an entrepreneur, a problem solver, and a community activator. So that is probably why my title is Chief Motivating Officer, because this is all the groundwork that allows me to support other people in their journey. Now, you ask me, what do I like to do in my you know, outlet or enjoyment time? Actually, it's, it's writing. And it's woodworking, funny enough. Uh, the woodworking, I find, is, uh, is an outlet that enables me to free my mind. Because if you're sanding something for three, four hours, you start thinking about all the other projects and things you're working on. When you free your mind, that's when your problems unlock and you come up with your solutions. I love that. So would you say sanding is kind of like a meditative state for you? It is. I mean, well, think of it. You're doing it for three, four hours. It's um, it's a Zen moment that some people find through yoga. Some do it through uh, dancing. Me, it's probably sanding. <laughs> there we go. There mm-hmm. we go. And can you, one more time on the, because our next question is typically what gets you up and gets you going every day. But I know you listed five things. I missed two of them. So could you oh, run? Oh, sure. So servant leadership, story sharing, yep. activator igniter champion enabler, community do-gooder. What gets me up in the morning is the thoughts and ideas of all of the really cool things and the great things that I can do today. Uh, Whether it be one-on-one conversation and then having, you know, the uh, opportunity to share stories with each other or, you know, speaking in front of an audience, doing a podcast. What, What engages me is the fact that there's so much richness in our day. And I guess the easiest way for me to describe it is I look at my life and and it ties into this aspect that you mentioned about, you know, what gets you going in the morning is this idea that my life is an hourglass and every grain of sand represents a day of my life. And, you know, um, every morning I wake up, a single grain enters that narrow chamber. That's my day. And throughout the day, the people I meet, the things I get to do, and uh, the experiences I gain adds richness to that grain of sand. So at the end of the day, when I go to sleep, that grain drops below. 
And the thing is, we know how many days we've been on this earth, but how many grains are left? How many are above me? Um, and it's not a morbid thought to say one, meaning tomorrow's my last day, 500, 5,000. But in response to your question, it, it's all about adding richness to that grain of sand so that at the end of the day, you know, it's uh, it's been a fulfilling day. And, you know, I think we often have a choice to make on how we look at things and our perspectives. And, uh, you know, I just sort of say, okay, there are going to be challenges. There are obstacles. My life is not, you know, cotton candy clouded world and uh, unicorns and rainbows. Well, there are challenges. But what I find and what I do is I take those challenges. I decide how I'm going to react to those situations. And equally at the same time, I then look for solutions. But add richness to your grain of sand. There we go. There we go. I love it. Well, let's go ahead and jump into your dreams and goals. What is your vision for your company as well as your life? I think it's always been focused and centered around um, sharing and giving. I always tell people that I've been given a lot with the whole idea that I'm not allowed to hold on to it. I have to give it away. But here's the thing. The more you give away, the more actually comes back to you. And it's this cycle that... Uh, you know, and you don't do it because you're expecting things to come back. It just happens. The dreams and goals, I guess you could say, uh, a, a couple of things I would say is actually, I don't even have goals. I have intentions. In other words, what I look at are those five things I shared in the beginning. Those are things I'm not willing to compromise. So as I move forward and experiences, what are the five, it, does it, does whatever that comes in my pathway hit five out of five? And if it hits five out of five, I have to do it. That's where the writing, the teaching, the speaking, um, the sharing, all of that hits five out of five. So for me, growing the business or growing, uh, you know, what I'm working on, the whole idea behind it is it's about sharing. It's about supporting and helping others. I think, um, if I can support and help people reach their fulfillment, I feel fulfilled. And that's really the objective of, you know, whether I'm planning a retreat in um, South Africa or Zimbabwe on personal development and on uh, mindfulness, it's not for my benefit. It's really something that I feel is important or when I'm, you know, written a book and it's out there, it's not about how many sales am I going to make. It's about, it's a beautiful story that needs to be shared. And their lessons need to be shared in there as well. Can it help and support and improve individuals? Then that would be uh, amazing. I gotcha. I gotcha. So it's more about assessing opportunities based on your five values. Oh, totally. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Awesome. And I guess is that that's not just not for business. It's for like everything in your life. So even when it comes to like leisurely activities, where you travel, what you do with your family, et cetera. It's all like those five values assess the opportunities. Uh, truly it does. I mean, uh, you know, I think that it guides you. And when I talk about those five core elements, it, I always, when I help people find and discover their five core elements, I say, it's not guided towards career, it's life and career. Because if you can align the life and then the career happens. And oftentimes what I often share is the fact that we're still focused on what we do, I want people to realize who they are. So that's where it's about this alignment. So even the things that I do, whether it's travel, woodworking, uh, writing, it's always that those five things are ever present and uh, needs to be ever present. And 
that's those are the things I really need in my life. There we go. Well, how'd you come up with those five? Actually, it was through self-exploration, introspection. And that's what I now do with helping other people is, you know, I was in a corporate job nine to five. And, you know, funny enough, it felt like, think of it as a, a, an ill-fitting suit. It's too big for you. But that suit is the career. In other words, I can wear it, uh, but it just doesn't fit. Much like a career, I can do it, but it just doesn't fit. And when I started thinking about it after five and a half years of doing this job where I can do it, but it just isn't me, I then figured, okay, but what, what would resonate? But then it was like, okay, I don't know. But then I started doing introspection, reflection, and I suddenly came up with these five things that I'm not willing to compromise. And I realized the job I was in hit zero out of five. But then it was like, okay, but now what? And then when I looked at the five, there was an area that was on community relations, corporate uh, communications and uh, community public safety. And I looked at that and I said, well, actually that hits the five. And my five have changed over the years uh, because as you grow and develop as a human being and as an individual, you know, you're not stuck with these words. And uh, it helped to catapult me into a place which just resonated. And when I support and help other people, the way I do this is I ask, you know, okay, tell me when one thing you're not willing to compromise in life and career. So for example, people might say family, family is really important to me. I'm like, okay, why is family important? And the why, asking the why is so important because then they start talking. And when they start talking, I'm listening to what they're saying. So they'll be talking about why it's so important. And maybe they use the words, the relationships and connectedness that I have with, uh, you know, the family members. And we go down in deeper detail ask, after asking why, and I'll keep asking. And then I come back and I said, well, I picked out two words, relationships and connectedness. Is that something that's equally important in the work environment? And they're like, oh, yeah, I need to have that. What about when you were in school? Is that important? And they're like, oh, for sure. What about your social life? And they're like, oh, yeah, no, it has to be relationships and connectedness. And I said, okay, can we replace family with relationships and connectedness as a better overarching example that applies to a, a much more broader area, but still significant? And that's where I, I support and help. And it was always so funny because I, when I do this with other people and I listen I had somebody in Los Angeles that I was helping. And, uh, you know, I remember she was talking about one thing she's not willing to compromise is, uh, you know, the environment. The environment is really important. And I asked why. And she just sort of said, this is what I have to do. And she explained how and why. Listening to her, I just said, oh, so you're an environmental ninja. And she was like, oh, my gosh, I love that. Can I, can I use it? I said, well, that's your word. You're an environmental ninja. That's one of your five. So that's where now she's built in the other four, but the environmental ninja is just another one of the things that she can then, and it, and it becomes um, a nice talking point to say, oh yeah, no, I'm an environmental ninja, because then it's like, oh, well, tell me about what an environmental ninja is, and yeah. then she'll explain it. So you got to own it, and you got to wear it, and it, it's a beautiful way, because instead of that ill-fitting suit, you now have a tailored suit. The best way I can also describe it is the fact that uh, I've had about 5,000 conversations to date and majority of them, you know, people can tell me what they do, but people have a really hard time telling me who they are. 
And that's what we're trying to do is say, instead of, you know, understanding that you're not defined by your career or your title or your status, no, you're defined by who you are. And the, the position you hold is one component of who you are. So that's where I like to help them realize, are you on the right path or not? And if not, let's work together to get you onto the right pathway and uh, support and help you realize and get to that place of fulfillment. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And so how about you tell us a little bit about Activator Igniter? Mm -hmm. Well, an Activator Igniter, it sort of goes with champion enabler. And I'll sort of relate the two together. Because a champion and enabler, there's a lot of noise out there. There's a lot of people telling you what to do and how to do it. Uh, oftentimes, it's the younger, uh, I would say, 15 to 25-year-olds who aren't really sure of the pathway ahead. And if you're not sure of the pathway ahead, people are going to start filling in. So champion enabler is, I'm not going to tell you what to do. Tell me what's important to you. Let's work through it. And then how can I support that? Activator igniter is the next step, which is, okay, so let's now activate it, ignite it, and let's get you in the direction that you need to go. So an activator igniter blends in with the champion enabler because the activator igniter is, is the one that now works forward. Oftentimes people will say, you know, discover your passion and your passion will lead you to greatness. My thing is passion is not sustainable and passion is an igniter, but it ignites you to your purpose. And the idea is you need passion, but passion by itself just fizzles out eventually, but passion should ignite the purpose. And that's where those five core elements and the activator igniter is how do we ignite the purpose by your passion? Mm, I love it. I love it. Well, awesome. So we got your whole life being focused on sharing and giving and having intentions instead of goals. Don't, don't compromise on those values. Are there any other dreams or goal, I guess not goals, but kind of a vision that you want to chat about? I think it's more of, you know, eventually, you know, I'd like to, I do a lot of speaking and, and, you know, sharing. And it was interesting because uh, I think it was a, a, a grounding purpose for me because I'm on a trajectory uh, to try to make it to the world stage in speaking. And it's, it's not because of status, money, notoriety. Do you know what? I just have so much that I really want to give and share. So I'm on a trajectory to try to uh, work my way to a place where now you're on a global scale. But here's the thing. What if this is as good as it gets? You know, these speaking at local conferences, national, even international conferences, but doing workshops. You're not on that big stage. And um, what if this is as good as it gets? Let's say it's like um, being on the uh, farm team, but not on the professional league. And that's as good as it gets. And what was interesting is I accept that. I'm still going to strive to get on the world stage, but I'm not going to beat myself up if I don't accomplish that. So I'm going to still strive but maybe, you know, it's acceptance that this is as good as it gets. And, you know, I'm still positively impacting people and supporting their journey. But it's been interesting because when I've shared this, I've also had people come up to me going like, no, I mean, Sam, you've already accomplished. I mean, those speakers that are on the, on the world stage, they don't really do anything for me. They're, I'm disconnected to them. But you spending that time and sharing... Um, 
means so much. And I think that's the way I look at it is I'm still going to strive, but there's this level of acceptance. Maybe I've already accomplished. Um, so I think that that's the, the way, but you know, it is about trying to keep on moving and going in a direction. Um, but I think those three things for anybody is going to be important because I think sometimes we only focus on the one of striving and, you know, it, it, there's a lot of frustration that comes along with that if you can't get where you need to go. But then I think we forget about the, well, accept and really reflect on what you've accomplished, yeah. but maybe you have already accomplished and, and you've, you should be really proud and happy with regards to, you know, that. And I'll just add one more thing because Somebody approached, well, not somebody, but I've been approached before. I should, people said, oh man, you should get into politics because, you know, you, you'd be able to make such a positive impact. And I said, well, you know, with all due respect, I mean, I, I think anybody who puts their name on a ballot, I mean, you've earned my respect because you, you're opening yourself up to public um, scrutiny. But um, how much does your municipal provincial federal politician have as an impact on your life directly and it's marginal minimal okay impact to me is that one-on-one -on -one conversation where that person and my goal and objective is not to make them see the world through my eyes but i want them to see the world through their eyes in a different way that to me is impact where that person has said you know with your presence here and guiding me uh, and supporting me on my journey and what I've been able to accomplish, like to me, that's been a huge impact. And I think that's my perspective of what impact is the one-on-one, -on -one, which then is the ripple effect because then they go out and become the change and um, support people in their journey. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm right there with you. I love mm -hmm. the one-on-one. -on -one. I love um, walking through it with people. Yep. And obviously they need to be willing to walk through it. I don't like pulling people through their no. own story. No. Um, but I love to walk through it with them. Oh man. Yeah. I, it gets me just, yeah, <laughs> it gets me going. And, and do you find that, uh, you know, or I always call myself a difficult monk and I'm sure that you've encountered this because there are people that come to you looking for the answers to life. They think of you as this orange saffron bearded man on top of a mountain with all the answers to the world. And we are what we call difficult monks because our job is not to tell them what to do. Our job is to just keep asking questions because the answers they seek lie within them. But it's more of, you know, just asking, well, what matters to you? Tell me, you know, what is it that you're not willing to compromise? So you and I become that difficult monk because, yeah, I'm not going to tell you the answers. I, I, I can probably tell you what to do, but there's enough people around doing that. How yeah. about let's help you discover what's authentic to you? Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. And a lot of times, man, it's asking questions to like, just pierce through all the like BS that they have heard and believe. It's like a lot of people be like, what's authentic to me is making money. I'm like, uh, it's just not. <laughs> like, no. we, we, we both know it's not. You just need to realize that maybe a part of it could be if you really want to impact people, use money as a tool, whatever it may be. But it's no. like at your core, it's like you want to serve people. There's something that fulfills you outside yeah. of guarantee. Well, and if I can add to that, because when I teach my university class, uh, we talk about motivation and I, and I know, already know what they're going to say, but I always ask, what are you motivated by? And number one, money and lots of it. 
And then they go through and somewhere down there is meaningful contribution and all that. But money always comes to the forefront and top. And I said, okay, so you're motivated by money. And they're like, oh, yeah. I said, okay, uh, by a show of hands, who's motivated by money? And it's funny, you get all these hands going up. And I said, okay. And I picked one person. I said, I'm going to ask you this question. And, and please don't take this personally. But, okay, so you're motivated by money. And they're like, oh, absolutely. I said, okay, how about if I pulled you from here and I move you to the sewers and I give you a shovel and I'm going to pay you really well. The starting salary for a university student who graduates is maybe thirty-five to forty-five thousand, right? You know what? I'll pay you hundred thousand dollars to be in the sewers with a shovel Monday to Friday, nine to five, and that's what you're going to do. Is you're going to shovel crap? Would you do it? And they're like, "Well, hundred thousand's not enough." I said, "Okay, what's realistic?" And they say, "A billion dollars." Okay, a billion dollars is not realistic, but hundred thousand is realistic. It's double what you're thinking. Would you do it? And they're like, well, maybe for the first year until something better comes by. I said, no, no, you don't understand. I'm going to pay you in increments throughout the rest of your life, but you're going to do this for 30, 35 years until you retire. Would you do it? And they're like, well, of course not. So I said, let's throw this out the window. Money is not a motivator. Money is a result of your motivation. And once you pursue it, that's when the magic happens because you're authentic to what you're really great at. And as a result, it follows suit. And the only reason I say that is uh, with regards to, you know, let's say somebody who's in the sewers. Um, I mean, when I graduated university, my first job was emptying rubbish bins and mopping floors with a degree in business and political science. I know what it means to be in the trenches. And, you know, the life lessons that I pulled from being a janitor actually carries me to who I am today, you know, and I try to share that with students to say, you know, after two years, you're not going to be a director. But, you know, let's start focusing and, and going down a pathway that's that that is more authentic. Let's put money on the back burner. And, and I do get it. I mean, yeah, I mean, you want to be comfortable, you want to be earning a living. But are you going to be happy? And can you do it for 30, 35 years of something you're not going to enjoy? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I completely agree. I, um, I mean, I'm a young guy, just graduated probably like a year ago, year and two months ago. And so it's like money was a big thing for me. Still, still is a yeah. big thing. I would like more money in my life, both for myself, for my family. But I, I was like, <laughs> I jumped into some things where I was like, I was going to make a decent amount of money. But I was like, yeah. man, in two years, I'm going to absolutely hate my life more than yeah. I already do. And so I was like, I need to make some pivots and um, yeah, kind of got clear on really what I love to do. And then I started. And, now, and you're my host, but so what did you graduate in? I had a psychology degree from nice. college. Nice. Okay. No. And psychology degree is amazing. I mean, um, when I talk to my students, I also say, you know, let's say you've got an arts and social science student, a psychology major with a, let's say a 2.5 GPA, and you've got a business student with a 3.9 GPA, which one are you going to hire? Probably the 3.9. Yep. But, but what if that 2.5 um, psychology student has gone on two international exchanges, has done three internships, started a nonprofit, and was part of the Psychology Students Association, 
and the business student has a 3.9 GPA and that's it. Now, which one's the employer going to hire? Yeah, that psychology student. It, absolutely, 100% of the time, because uh, that individual has has gained so much experiences. And um, oftentimes, and I, and I like, I mean, are marks important? Sure they are. And that's just one component. But just by getting that uh, 3.9 GPA is not going to get you that uh, C-suite job. I mean, you might be working for the 2.5 psychology major who's progressed along because they've got so much diversity. You might be their accountant. You may be working for them. So um, I always tell my arts and social science students that um, don't ever discount because a lot of times they think, well, what can I do with a psychology degree? What can I do with a you know, a sociology degree. Uh, I also remember I had to deliver a keynote address to a, the graduating class for a, um, you know, it was a interactive arts, culinary school, fashion design school. I got up on stage and I said, thank you. Thank you for not listening to the noise and activating the voice within you to pursue this because what you do is you add vibrancy, color and flair to this world and the world needs you, get exceptionally good at your craft, and then all of a sudden, amazing things are going to pursue and, and to, to happen around you. So, I mean, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, authenticity is key. <laughs> it's just facts. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, yeah. awesome. If there are one or two people that you can meet mm -hmm. right now, and this mm -hmm. could be a specific person or a type of person. And they'd really help you take that next step towards getting to the world stage with speaking. Mm -hmm. Who would they be and how would they do it? I mean, I think one of them would be fairly obvious, which, I mean, Barack Obama, I've always seen as this approachable individual with uh, a dynamic way and, and a great orator. So I think he's one individual that I would like to, again, if ever given that opportunity, I think that's somebody that I would really appreciate uh, being in the presence of. The other one, Anthony Bourdain. And that one's interesting because I appreciated his rawness and his authenticity and the ability to connect, um, you know, at uh, all levels. And I thought that uh, those two individuals, um, on the one hand, somebody, well, they both had charisma, but on the one hand, great orator, on the other hand, someone who's very um, authentic and, uh, you know, just able to relate to anybody around you. Those are the two, two people that I think I would uh, really have an opportunity to, to learn from. Love it. Love it. There we go. And what are the most important one or two things that everyday people can do to really help you inch towards your goal of the world stage with speaking? Yeah, I think that there's, uh, I, I like to share two of my favorite quotes that I live by. The first one is, obstacles are the necessary bricks on the road to success. I think sometimes we fear the obstacles, but instead of fearing the obstacles, embrace them because that's where your learning happens. And, you know, uh, when I was in university years and years ago, I was a terrible speaker. Like, I mean, I just felt nervous. I couldn't share. It, it, I, it was just something I could never do. But now I do about 30, 35 speaking opportunities per year. I teach at university, two TEDx's. I mean, it's only by learning from those obstacles, they have made me who I am today. The second one is 
Everyone's life is an autobiography. Make yours worth reading. The fact is we are all living stories and there's a need for us to realize what our stories are and to be able to share with other people. So those are the two things that I think would really be the essence of, of how I move forward, how I connect and how I support and help people grow and how that's helped me grow. Love it. And now we're going to jump into our thriving three. Mm-hmm. The first question is, what is your favorite book, movie or podcast? Pick one. Okay. Besides the book I wrote, um, I would say, I would say um, the, a book that I really enjoyed was The Element by Sir Ken Robinson. And uh, The Element is all about um, finding the essence of who you are as an individual. And the person who gave me the book, she put down um, to the person who, um, who discovered their element and helps other people find their element. So the element by by Sir Ken Robinson, I think, really connects to me. That's a that's a book I would highly recommend. Gotcha. And one way you like to take care of yourself? Uh, that would be. Uh, well, I was going to say I don't want to give you two, but I was going to say self reflection. I mean, that's the woodworking is is out there being there, but the self reflection. It's spending time and then coming up with ways that. Um, offer purpose and meaning that I can share with other people. I mean, where a a puzzle piece can represent connectedness, an hourglass represents uh, days of meaning, meaningfulness that we have in our life. So it's about, um, I guess, reflecting and then realizing and, uh, you know, seeing how does this support and help in any of the work that I do. Love it. Yeah, knowing thyself, key. Mm -hmm. And what is one action step that you can take right now or continue to take if you're already doing it to meet Barack Obama or Anthony Bourdain? Well, Anthony Bourdain sadly passed away, so that's not going to happen. Yeah. But uh, Barack Obama, I would say, you know, the idea is, you know, the networks and the connections that you build, you know, is there you know, through your authenticity, and maybe it's four or five, six individuals down the road, where somebody may be connected to Barack Obama, who may be connected to somebody that eventually is like, you know, here's an individual really trying to make a difference. He said he'd really like to meet this individual. And then, you know, through that progression of being authentic to yourself, um, and supporting and helping and not doing it for the credit or the status or the ego. And then all of a sudden, down the road, who knows, maybe there's a chance meeting that uh, one day it happens, but uh, you know, I'll still carry on doing what I do. There we go. Be authentic and kind of just work the network and hope for the meeting. Truly. All right. We got our last couple of questions here and they require a bit of pretext. So stick with me. A lot of people have come on the podcast and they've said that the catalyst that helps people change from having a fixed mindset, not willing to accept help and not willing to accept change to having a growth mindset, being willing to accept help and being willing to accept change. The catalyst is a personal choice that happens after either extreme inspiration or extreme desperation. Do you agree, disagree, have anything to add or subtract? Yeah, I mean, I think some of the biggest growth happens through inspiration or setbacks. Uh, However, saying that, 
you have to go into it with that growth mindset, regardless if it's, if it's something that's a success or a setback. I don't use the word failure. A failure is final and fatal, whereas a setback, same thing happened. But you get back up, dust yourself off, and you move forward even stronger. So um, I always feel that you know those two areas, as long as you go in with this idea that I can learn from this experience, both positive or negative, um, I think is really important. And related to that, though, is also the fact that there are circumstances around us that we have no control over, and yet we dwell on it. My thing is, there are things I cannot control, but what I can control is how I'm going to react to that situation. And I choose how I'm going to react to it. I'm not going to let the situation or other people dictate how I'm going to react. And I think when you come in with that uh, calm mindfulness piece, it is very supportive of, um, of what you've just shared. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. And given the same amount of extreme inspiration or extreme desperation, why do you think some people make the choice to change and others don't? I think uh, fear is one piece. Uh, comfort is another. Uh, I think as a society, sometimes we strive towards comfort, but comfort is actually not a good word because comfort is also a, a position where it transforms. It, it blindly transforms and you know you don't see it happening to uh, complacency and unfortunately then there's no longer any growth or uh, the mindset is not in development because you're just in a rut or you're just feeling too comfortable um, I think that in anything and everything uh, this is why in the first TEDx speech I did it was about discover the extraordinary and the ordinary. In other words, embedded in what we perceive to be ordinary, our routines, our daily life, actually are ex uh, extraordinary ex situations. But are you open to it? Is your mind open to it through the idea of trying to discover that extraordinary and the ordinary? And when you do that, even the smallest things, successes or setbacks, all of a sudden you're, you're looking at it through another lens. Fear and comfort, I think, are two things that can anchor and hold us back as opposed to anchoring us so we can move forward uh, from a stable place. I love that. I think a great example, something that I've just continually noticed um, of something small that is just extraordinary. And we've only made it small because it has become routine. Mm -hmm. But every time I drive to the grocery store, right, and there is just such an abundance of food. I'm talking like, not yeah. only is there basically unlimited peanut butter, but yeah. there are different brands of peanut butter, different brands of ramen noodles, different brands of like, you got uh, pasteurized eggs or unpasteurized eggs. You got so many different types of eggs and so many different packages, like the, the pack of 18 for somebody who likes less eggs, the pack of 60 for somebody who likes more. And it's just like, yeah. it's so much food. And it's yeah. like, that is amazing. Yeah. No, and I'll share this with you is the fact that like the puzzle analogy, I'll give you an example of ordinary and extraordinary. I mean, I'm holding a single piece of a jigsaw puzzle. So there's one piece and that's just one piece. And I give it to people and I say, you know, what can you do with this one piece of a jigsaw puzzle? And it's interesting because people say, well, not much. It's one piece. And I said, OK, um, 
it's ordinary, but equally at the same time, if you look at this one piece of a jigsaw puzzle, it represents the individual. They don't know, you know, what's the bigger picture and they also don't know how they fit in. But if I give you the single piece of a jigsaw puzzle, do you realize my puzzle is incomplete without you? Do you realize how important you are yeah. to my puzzle? And it's flipping it around. And now this has suddenly become really extraordinary. Mm. Yeah. Ordinary things with extraordinary meaning. Yeah. I love it. Mm -hmm. well, awesome. Our next question is some people need a small amount of inspiration or desperation to change and others need a larger, more consistent amount. What do you think establishes that threshold and can it be influenced? Uh, part of it is I think this word of capacity and, you know, some, some people have a higher capacity of, experiences and uh, ability to absorb. And some people have a limited amount. And, and part of it is, I think this whole aspect of capacity is, you know, do you, do you jump and take a giant leap of faith because you have that capacity to do that and the confidence, or do you take small baby steps? But having, uh, being supported by an individual to help you along, almost like the uh, training wheels on a bicycle, as opposed to just Okay, you know what, today I've never ridden a bike, I'm getting on and I'm going to go do this. So I think that becomes uh, really that the essence of it is the fact that capacity is uh, a place that through conversations, you realize the person's capacity and um, ability to take action because, you know, you can, and, and you said this earlier, you can share with individuals to say, okay, so, you know, here's what you should do. Sometimes you actually have to help them further to say, okay, by next week, give me one thing that you're not willing to compromise in life and career. So some people need that support and guidance and other people just are like, great. Okay. Let me get back to you next week on that. So their capacity to do those things, I think is really important. I gotcha. I gotcha. And do you think that capacity yeah. can be influenced? I, I think it can. I mean, I think if they feel supported, that may, um, it, by a champion enabler, an activator igniter, then I think that they have the, the, the ability to develop that capacity. There we go. Mm -hmm. And our last question, I want you to keep this avatar in your head. They got a really fixed mindset. They're not willing to accept help. They're not willing to accept change. Mm -hmm. So in Atomic Habits, James Clear talks about the four laws of changing your behavior. And the laws are to make it obvious, make it attractive, make it easy, and make it satisfying. With that context in mind, mm -hmm. and the avatar I just told you about, how can we create an environment for that avatar that makes it obvious, attractive, easy, and satisfying for people, for that person to make the choice that will change their life? Right. Um, yeah, that's a really difficult question to answer because everyone is a, such a spectrum. Um, I mean, I think part of it is, I've often said that rational logic and emotions need to be in alignment. And if they aren't in alignment, if the emotions rise, unfortunately, rational logic, doesn't matter what you say, it's not going to work. I think part of it is this whole idea of, of sharing with the individual. But I think one of the most important things is listening to what that individual, even the person who is the most difficult, hardest person is to listen to them. And I think the, the, the oftentimes what happens is we're so focused on wanting to help that person 
but we're not listening to what their needs are or uh, how can we really support them. By listening to, to their needs, to listening to who they are, maybe their experiences, um, and without imposing our views on them, maybe there's a way to show them that you know, we can empathize and we can understand uh, their, their journey and you know, how, can, how can I support and help them? I mean, through 5,000 conversations, I mean, I've had very few, maybe three people that I just sort of was like, you know, I don't think they're ready for this move forward. Majority of them, you know, 4,997. Yeah, they're, they're involved in different um, sort of uh, spectrum. But there's probably about three that I just sort of walked away going like, you know what, no matter what I do and help it's going to be a challenge. I'll still stick with them and I'll help them. But, you know, uh, I think that it, it really does become uh, that situation where, you know, you if you listen to them, it allows you to put your perspectives to the side and see what may support them. Mm. Yeah, I love that. I love it a lot. And I think it's... Um really important to kind of have your values that you want to live by in your head, bring it back to what we were talking about earlier, because it's hard to listen and put your perspective to the side if you're not focused on being a servant leader yeah. or leading with values that actually impact people. So exactly. Full circle. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, awesome. Sam, is there anything else you want to chat about before we sign off? Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that I really appreciate sharing, and this came to me again through that introspection, reflection that I talked about earlier, is, you know, it all came out of uh, this whole aspect of COVID-19. Um, every single person has been impacted around the world. It's impacted individuals, teams, organizations, educational institutions, nonprofits. But what came out for me is this concept of what I call care. We all need to care. But what CARE stands for is collaboration, adaptability, resilience, and empathy. Collaboration. We all have an inventory of skills and abilities. So, you know, realize what yours are, but don't be afraid to reach out to others or others to reach out to you to say, how can we collaborate? Because you can't do it by yourself. You really can't. So you support each other, collaborate. Adaptability means don't fear change, embrace change, because that's where the magic happens. So adaptability, if you've got collaboration, adaptability is a natural progression. Resilience means, you know, how do you build this resilience into your life? Because it's not going to be an easy ride throughout your life. It's like a marathon. There are some flat plains that are going to be easy to run, but there's also hills. Resilience means keeping uh, that momentum going within you, regardless of what happens around you. But if you collaborate and you're adaptable, resilience, again, is that progression forward. Empathy is showing care and compassion to each other, meaning you don't know what people are going through. Again, that goes back to the listening piece, but empathy means um, really trying to understand and support people. There we go. Mm -hmm. We all need to care. <laughs> I really do think collaboration and relationships make the world go round and naturally birth those other three because it's easy to adapt and be resilient yeah. when you are collaborating. And then empathy is just 
kind of a natural byproduct of being in relationship with people and getting to know them. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Sam, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, thank you for having me here today. Of course. And if you guys are listening to this and you loved what Sam had to say, you want to connect with him, hear more of his thoughts, all the ways to contact him and access his work will be in the show notes. As we always ask, go ahead and shoot this podcast to one to three people you know need to hear this message. Give us a five-star review on iTunes and we're out. Guys, thanks for listening. Make sure to reach out to our guests and help them accomplish their dreams and goals if you resonated with them. If you're looking for any intentional masterminds or one-on-one coaching to accomplish your dreams and goals, make sure to check out the website, workwithtimmydouglas.com and contact me either there or on social media. That's all I got. Have a blessed day.